Um, I'm very excited to be here. I'm very honored, Pastor Michael. Thank you so much, for, or Michael, for having me and, and letting me come. I really do. I'm very honored to be here. And amongst all of these anointed men and women of God, uh, my, we got off, the, we rode the elevator up last night with Corey Russell, and when he got off the elevator, my husband looked at me and he said, now that's going to be a hard act to follow. I said, thank you, baby, thank you. Um, I do want to introduce to you the love of my life, this side of Jesus. This is my husband, Charlie. Uh, he and I have been married 39 years, September the 18th, 39 years, and we still making out like rabbits. Uh, I met him when I was 17, and uh, he took my breath away when I met him. I knew immediately that he was the man I was going to marry and uh, fell head over heels in love with him. You know, and the fact of the matter is, is if, you, if your children aren't telling you right now to get a room when they see you and your husband together, you're not doing it right. Let me just tell you right now. Because the fact of the matter is, is your daughters are watching you and they're looking what to expect in a man and your sons are watching you and they're looking about how to treat their wives, you know? So if you're not openly affectionate and just loving on each other and showing your children how a good marriage works, you need to start working on that, amen? Amen, because we've been married, like I said, 39 years and he still takes my breath away and he's still the love of my life and we're still making out like rabbits. I'm telling you, seriously, I mean, yeah. So it's a good thing, amen? And let me just get that out of the way. One time I was at a church service, I'll never forget this. I was at a church service and I said sex from the pulpit and this old man sat on the front row went, <gasps> and I went, sir, did that offend you? And he just, his eyes got real big. I said, well, then this is really gonna offend you. And I went, sex, 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 like that. And he was like, <gasps> and I said, but you know, the thing about it is, I said, I said the, the church, let something that God created to be wonderful between his covenant man and a covenant wife, and they, they let the world take it and make it nasty so that we can't even talk about it anymore from the pulpit, and our children are being taught such perverted things about what is acceptable as far as that goes. And so I tell people all the time, I said, why in the world wouldn't you want someone who is an anointed man and woman of God who preaches truth, from a pulpit talking to your children about sex and what it is and what it's supposed to be. Amen. And so I don't know who that was for. Glory to God. So, amen. And, you know, and one of the other things I'm going to tell you is that the Lord revealed to me years and I mean, years ago that sex between a covenant man and his covenant wife is the highest form of worship that you can do unto the Lord because it renews the covenant. It's, you know, because it's the thing that consummates and seals the marriage vows amen okay now if you're not married you don't get to have sex I'm just gonna put that out there amen you just don't get to you know put it back zip it up whatever you're gonna do don't touch it until you can put a ring on it and you say I do to it amen okay we're gonna talk about being right here and being holy because you're a holy people we're a holy people we're supposed to live holy amen and one of the things about me is I'm very blunt and I'm very real and when the Lord called me to preach the gospel him and I had an argument about it and of course he won but uh, I, I told him I said okay two things Lord I said if I have to get up there before people and I have to minister and I have to preach I said I'm gonna ask you two things I said number one I want to be as real as rain I said, I want to be as real as rain. I want to be as transparent as I know how to be before the people. And so I'm all the time telling on myself, amen. And so good or bad, I don't know. But I just want you to know I'm human and I'm real, just like the rest of you. I go through all sorts of things and get mad. And I mean, I tell everybody all the time, the reason I don't have a Christian bumper sticker on the back of my car is I don't want anyone knowing the woman driving that vehicle is a believer, amen, because I ain't been able to conquer that part yet, hallelujah. So, you know, but anyway... And the second thing I told the Lord is, is that I said, is I don't ever want to be boring. I don't want to be boring because there ain't nothing worse than boring preaching. Can I get a witness in the room? Okay, amen. But I, I, I'm, I'm real Texan. I'm real Southern. And I talk real fast. So you have to listen real quick. Okay, amen. So this morning, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's get into the word. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna t what I'm going to talk to you about today is your identity in Christ. And you think, well, I know who that is. But I'm just going to tell you my testimony about how I came to this point in my life to do what I do for the Lord. Amen. And it all started years ago. I, I got saved when I was five years old. And, you know, I, I, I always tell the Lord, I said, you know, God, I don't have a testimony. My testimony is that I have loved the Lord my entire life. I've, I've never been a drug person. I've never been a drinker. I, in fact, my father looked at me when I was about 17 years old, and he said, you scare me. And I said, why, Daddy? 
And he said, you are about near the perfect teenager. I, I just never rebelled against my parents. I mean, the only man I've ever been with my entire life is this man right here. I've, I literally, I've loved the Lord my entire life. I had a raw encounter with him at five years old. I know y'all might think that's too whatever, but I, I was at a church in Heights Baptist Church in Liberty, Texas. And there was a evangelist up preaching, and I was acting bad. And my mama had warned me, if you don't stop acting bad, I'm going to take you outside and whip you. Because that's what we do in the South is we whip our children, hallelujah. Ain't no sitting in a corner and all that kind of stuff. A rod of correction, correction drives a spirit of rebellion far from him. And I can tell you, being raised in a Southern home by a Southern mama, it drove a lot of stuff out of me, hallelujah. And because uh, I was a little bit sassy, can you believe that, when I was five. And course I didn't act right my mama took me outside and tore my butt up and, and then she told me she said you need to stop you need to repent for being so ugly in the house of God and I said you know so I went inside and I was sitting next to her on the pew and I was like because like, when my mama whipped you knew you'd gotten whipped right and so anyway I, I, I said these words out of my mouth at five years old I said God I'm so sorry for being so ugly in your house and when I said those words the spirit of the Lord came upon me so strongly that it took my breath away and I always like to say at that point in the story that I love the fact that two of the loves of my life both took my breath away when I met him when I met Jesus he took my breath away and when I met Charlie Mack he took my breath away and uh, so I'm sitting there and my mother asked me because I sucked in my air so much because he just literally took my breath away my mother said, what's wrong? And all I knew to tell her in my five-year-old mind was that Jesus had just come into my heart. And she said, what? And I said, Jesus has just come into my heart. And so she took me back outside. I thought I was going to get another whipping. Hallelujah. And so uh, she said, no, tell me what happened. And I told her, I said, Jesus has just come into my heart. And so she went around the corner of the church, and she walked into the foyer there, and she opened the side door. That's when the pastors used to sit up in their grand poobah chairs, you know, on the platform. And evangelist is preaching. My mother pointed at that pastor and went like this. And evangelist keeps on preaching, and he comes down. My bold mama, amen, hallelujah. And um, so she, she whispers to him, and he comes over there to me, and he says, Now, Susan, tell me what happened. And I said, Jesus has just come into my heart. And he said, No, I want you to tell me what happened. And I, I didn't real think he realized that what I said the first time. So I, the next time I said it, I said it really slow. I said, Jesus has just come into my heart, you know. And he said, okay, well, he said, when the evangelist finishes preaching, uh, you can come forward, make your confession, say the prayer, we'll vote, and then you can be in heaven. Then you can say, Jesus has just come into your heart. So thank God they voted correctly, and I got in. Glory to God. Amen. And so what started was a love affair with God at that time. I literally have just, my testimony is I have loved the Lord my whole life, you know. I didn't dance on ballroom tables. I didn't do any of that kind of stuff. And literally, I've just loved the Lord my whole entire life. And when I was 22 years old, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. And then it really got fun. Hallelujah. And so uh, anyway, yeah, I remember being a Baptist girl, you know, with all that religious tradition in your head. And, and I remember being at a church where my pastor at the time, who used to be my pastor at the Baptist church, got the holy boot because he started doing this thing holy ghost and they gave him the holy boot and he started another church and i actually went to that church because he was my pastor and so i walked in and i saw stuff i'd never seen before and i heard stuff i'd never heard before and when i got home from the service my mother came over to see me and she said how was it and i said you know what mama i don't know that i understood everything i saw and I'm not sure I understood everything I heard, but I do know this one thing. God was in that place. And I want God with everything that's within me. I want God. So I went back. And then they prayed for me to receive the baptism. I said, I don't know how y'all praying, but I want that. I want whatever y'all doing, I want that. Because I'm so hungry for God. I wanted more than what I even knew I could imagine. I, wanted, I always have had a hunger for the things of God. And so I went up there, and they prayed for me. And the next thing I knew, I was on the floor and thinking to myself, someone's looking at my skirt, you know, and that kind of stuff. And praise God, I got delivered from wearing dresses to church. Hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, I remember thinking to myself, oh, my God. And finally, I was able to sit up, and I heard the pastor's wife behind me, and she was praying in tongues. And I said, oh, that must be what they call praying in tongues. And long story short, I got one word in my prayer language, and it was bara. Barra. And every time I said it out of my mouth, this 
joy would well up inside of me, and I'd say, Bara, this joy. And every time I said it, I heard this voice out here say, that's of the devil. Well, of course, I'm a good Baptist girl. We don't do nothing of the devil, right? And so I'm thinking, oh, you know, but every time I said it, it brought such joy for me to say it. And so I remember on a Tuesday afternoon, I was walking through my house, and I said the word. I had a basket of laundry on my hip, and I said the word, Bara. And I heard this voice say, that's of the devil. I put that laundry basket down on that kitchen table, and I put my hand on my hip, and I said, do you know what? It feels so good when I say it, I'm just going to say it. And I went, bah-ra, like that real bold, sassy. And all of a sudden, this well, this dam broke up in the side of me, and I was going, bah-ra, bo-siki, bra-siki, le bo-siki, le bo-kondo-ra-ma-siki, ar-ra-mon-de-ni-be-siki-ri-an-do-do. And he comes home about three hours later, and I said, what is happening to me? What? And I was like, hey, I couldn't speak in English. I literally tried. I couldn't stop praying. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't speak in English. And I asked him, I said, what is happening to me? And he said, I don't know, but it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Bible. I was like, oh, you know, whatever. And of course, hallelujah. Now I know where it's at in the Bible. Hallelujah. So glory to God. And it's a good thing. So if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we can most certainly fix that today. It's the most amazing thing because it changed my life. You know, it changed my life and it caused me to have that intimate relationship with God that our sweet sister was talking about today. And so what started that whole journey in my life was what brought me to this place today. And I remember probably about 25, 28 years ago, I made this statement to the Lord because I had read in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 and 23, that many will, Jesus is saying these words. He said, you know, many in that day will say to me, Lord, Lord. He said, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not do many mighty wondrous works in your name? And the Lord says, I will look at them and say, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. And I said, God... I prophesy in your name. I've cast out devils in your name. I mean, I've done me I've seen you do miracles. I mean, literally, I've been all over the world and I'd seen God do miracles. And I'm like, God, I don't want you to look at me and say, Depart from me, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. I said, God, I want you to know me. I need you to know me. And when I began to pray that prayer, you know what was so crazy about it was is that he he came in and he began to teach me when I said, I want you to know me. He began to teach me about who I was in him. Because I prayed this very dangerous prayer. This is what I said. And so don't pray it if you don't, wanna, if you don't want drastic things to happen in your life. This is what I prayed. I said, God, I said, I want you to take out of my mindset everything that I think about you that doesn't line up with this word. And I said, and God, I want you to take yourself out of every box I have ever put you in. And can I tell you, there was a whole lot of shaking going on. And I began to go to the Word, and I began to read in the Word, and I began to see scriptures like 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new, right? And so I began to think about that. I said, you know, I'm a new creation because I can tell you that I grew up with, even though I was a very good girl, I had a very much of a performance mentality where I had to perform. You know, I'm a good girl, and I'll always be a good girl. I'll never, I'll never want to disappoint, and I'll never want to cause you pain. I mean, literally, in this performance mentality got formed in my mindset. And so I'm sitting here, and I'm looking at these things, and I had a very uh, much of a struggle with two things in my life, and one of them was that God doesn't love you, and God will never forgive you. Those are the lies that the enemy constantly bombarded me with. Being a good girl my whole life, those were the things that he bombarded me with, if you can believe it. And so I walked around with a great deal of shame and guilt and because of all these things and begging God to forgive me, and all of a sudden God begins to highlight this scripture to me and I'm like God make this real to me and because you know in is a perp in, in has a place it has a position right it indicates a location or a position with something and so I began to see in the spirit this circle and that's why I have the hula hoop I began to see this circle right God began to show me this and and because the fact of the matter is is I began to look into the word of God and I began to see that there were a lot of promises of being in Christ because see here I'm outside the circle but here I'm in the circle and 
here's out of the circle and here's in the circle. And this is what I felt like. I felt like, I said, you know, God, I, I read your word. I believe your word above everything in my life. I believe the truth of this word. And God, I see and hear about all the promises that you've made when I am in Christ. But God, I feel like I'm an unbelieving believer because I believe everything in this place. But God, I'm not experiencing the things that I'm supposed to have in this place. And I said, God, I feel like an unbelieving believer. And so, Father, therefore, I, there's something needs to change here in the situation. And God began to speak to me about being in this place and Him and the freedom that I could walk in. And I began to see, because, you know, in Acts 1728 it says for in him I live and move and have my very existence so in this place in Christ I'm to live I'm to move and everything that exists and comes through my life is supposed to be from this place right and so the, the lies were still bombarding my head and so I went to the truth of God's word and I found this truth that it wasn't that I first loved God it's that he first loved me and it was and if I asked for forgiveness according to first John 1 9 if I asked he was faithful and just to forgive me and to not only forgive me of all of my sins but to cleanse me from all unrighteousness and so every single time I would hear those two lies from the devil that God doesn't love you and God will never forgive you I just began to say out of my mouth and this I think was a key is out of my mouth I said those are lies from the pit of hell I said because the truth of God's Word is that it wasn't that I first loved God and ever did anything good for him it's that he first loved me he first loved me and I said and if I ask for forgiveness which I have he'll be faithful and just to forgive me of all of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness and I will never forget one day standing at my kitchen sink washing dishes because I'm a housewife from on Alaska Texas that's my thing and I was standing at the sink washing dishes and the lies went through my head and out of my mouth I said those are lies from the pit of hell because the truth of God's Word is that it's not that I first loved God it's that he first loved me and if I ask for forgiveness which I have he is faithful and just to forgive me of all of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness and all I can tell you is in that moment and second in time in the blink of an eye it went from being here to going down into here and exploded within my heart a deliverance and a freedom that I have yet to ever walk out of, amen, because the devil has never since that time been able to get me with those lies because I understand who I am in him, amen, I understand who I am. Amen. And so I'm sitting here and, and now I'm understanding now that I am forgiven, that I am absolutely loved beyond all measure. In fact, I'll just tell you right now so you know I am his favorite. Amen. And so anyway, yeah, I began to look into the word and it says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God are where? In Christ Jesus. Amen. And they are yes and amen in him. Amen to the glory of God through us. Because see, in this place, God wants to distinguish distribute the glory of God through you right in the promises of God that he's given us and so I thought God yeah, I don't want to be an unbelieving believer anymore I want to experience your goodness I want to experience the overwhelming place in you that I can just live from this place that I don't have to fear in this place I don't have and it's not living so much as living for God but it's living from him you know, not living for him because that's what I had done up until this moment in time. I had lived for him. But now I'm, I'm learning to live through him. Amen. I'm learning because it's in him I live and breathe and move and have my very being. Amen. Amen. And so I want to, you know, and it was crazy because it took a lot of dying. It was so crazy when I told the Lord, I said, God, I want you to know me. This is where he put me. In here and he began to describe and, and explain to me and give me a revelation and give me a freedom of what it's like to actually be in this place because see when you're in this place man's opinion can't touch you because if they don't, if they don't like you they don't like Jesus because I can tell you I'm in Jesus and he's freaking awesome and so therefore I'm freaking awesome too and if you don't like me you got to take that up with him because that's between you and him not me your opinion of me which used to which you which used to 
make me perform for you, please love me type of thing. Your opinion of me matters not to me anymore because the only opinion, only approval I seek is his, and I can tell you right now I have it, right? Because I'm in Christ, and I realize that I can boldly approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace and help in, my, in times of trouble and times of need. Why? Because when I, I can boldly approach that throne, because why? Jesus paid a price for me to boldly be able to approach the throne. Amen. And he paid that price so that I can come. And when, when God looks at me, what he sees is he sees me through the blood. He sees me through eyes of love. He sees me washed in the blood. He sees me cleansed in the blood. So I can slide right up to that throne in my socks. I literally do. I have no issue running to the Father. I have no, I, I am not one of these kind of people that has to, oh God, I, I'm, a, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. You'll never hear those words out of my mouth. I am redeemed, right? Because in him, according to Ephesians 1, 7, in him... I have redemption what through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And I can tell you what redemption means. Redemption means everything that the enemy tried to destroy you with, tried to destroy your life with. God will turn it around and he'll make it for good and for glory. And he'll use that very thing that the enemy tried to destroy you with and he'll bring glory to it. He'll put fire on it and he'll use it as a testimony to kick devil butt. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, you know, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God where? In him, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no guilt or condemnation for those who are where? In Christ Jesus. I can tell you right now, in fact, I decree and declare that shame is off of you in Jesus' name. Shame off you. I know you might have heard shame on you as a child, but I'm telling you right now, it's shame off you. It's shame off you in Jesus' name. I decree and declare it off of you tonight that you're going to leave this place not having to deal with guilt and condemnation and shame that comes from the world, it comes from the enemy, it comes from the evil one. Because the fact of the matter is, is that God can, I mean, if the devil can keep you in shame, he's got you. You know, there's a lot of things that might have happened to you as a child, a lot of things that might have happened to you. And I tell, I tell, I preach to a lot of women, I do a lot of women's ministry and a lot of women's conferences and things like this. And I tell women all the time, I said, you know, what was done to you? And I'm not trying to make light of what was done to you as a child, but you know what? It doesn't make you special. Sexually molested as a child doesn't make you special. And I know that might shock some of you, and I know that might be bold, but it is. It's the truth. Because, but the thing about it is, is, is what has happened is the enemy has caused you to identify with the trauma that was done to you, and you live and you move and you breathe through your trauma. Every decision you make is through your trauma. Every man who comes into your life is judged from the lens of what another nasty man did to you, and, you, and everybody's got to pay for the sins of that incident in your life. And God says, I want you to understand that today you can be free from that garbage because I could open a bottle of water and sling it out here and everywhere the water touched, somebody would have been violated in some way. I'm not making light, but the fact of the matter is, is God does not want you to identify with the pain or the trauma that was done to you. He wants you to identify with the healing that he wants to give you. Amen. And who he's made you to be. And so when you come out of that victim mentality and you go into a victor's mentality and you realize, wait a minute, I don't have to identify with the trauma. That does not define who I am. Glory to God. That does, let me say that again. The trauma done to you as a child does not define who you are. God defines who you are, and who he says you are is you are an overcomer. Who he says you are is you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And you're an overcomer. Why? Because you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. And I can tell you right now, you ever get to the place where you realize I'm not a victim, I'm a victor here, you're going to kick some serious devil butt. 
because you'll realize that I'll be able to help other people set free. Because I'm telling you, anything I've ever gone through in my life, this is my declaration. If i got to go through this, if i got to go through this hell, there better be more anointing on my life when I come out of it, God. There better be more fire shut up in my bones. There better be more anointing on my life, more faith in my life, more words shut up in my mouth, Father God. I'm telling you, if i got to go through hell, I better have something good to show for the other side of it. I'm not going through this mess for nothing. I want to be freer. I want to be more delivered. I want to be more something, God, when I come out of this. I want to be more fiery for you. I want to attract more, more anointing. And, you know, the fact of the matter is the anointing doesn't come forth without the crushing. You know, you cry out, oh, God, I want your anointing. Oh, God, I want your double anointing. Well, do you really want that stuff? Because I can tell you there's a price to be paid to stand in this place and minister the gospel to you. Because, oh, my God, I want to preach like you preach. I want to prophesy like you prophesy. And I'm like, really? You want to walk a mile in my shoes? And I'm like, okay, come on. I mean, God will take you there. Let's go. And they're like, oh, my God, I never realized the hell. And I said, welcome to my life. But I can tell you right this, in this place right here, I'm not shaken and I'm not moved because I serve a Savior who's not shaken and not moved. Amen. You know, I was telling them in the prayer room back there that I, one day I just decided I was going to stand flat-footed and I was going to say and decree and declare, I'm not living another day of my life in fear. I'm not living another day of my life being motivated to move by fear because I realized that fear motivated me. That fear was a stronghold in my life and I needed deliverance from it. And the fact of the matter is, is I can tell you right now, a lot of you probably dealing with the same kind of mess, but you're too afraid to say, God, I need you to do in me what you want to do in me so you can do through me what you want to do through me. And that's always my prayer. God, do in me what you need to do in me. And I remember drawing that line in the sand and said, I'll not be motivated by fear another day of my life. Because I realized in the Word of God, when Jesus told the boys in Mark chapter 4, uh, let's, uh, Mark chapter 5, I think it is, he said, or 4, he said, let us go to the other side. He got in the boat and he said, let us go to the other side. And right in the middle, right? They get in a big old storm and they're screaming and hollering and having a cow and wake Jesus up because he's, where's he at? He's on the sleeping a pillow. And you're like, no, you are not. Not right in the middle of the worst day of my life. You're sleeping on a pillow. And then Jesus gets up and does what Jesus do. He rebukes the wind. He rebukes the storm. Tells it to cease and be still. Peace be still to you. And then he looks at him and he says, boys, where's your faith? And you know, faith in what? Faith in the fact that my father said, we're going to go to the other side. I mean, you're going to go from point A to point B. And there might be a little hell in the midst of it, but guess what? You're going to go to the other side. Why? Because Jesus said you were going to the other side. And I told the Lord, I said, God, I want to be able to lay down in the middle of this boat and take a nap with you. Come on, I want to be able to lay down on a pillow. Make it comfortable, God. And I can tell you right there, that thing, that it was crazy because all of a sudden it was like all these things began to bombard me with fear. I stood in this place and say, I have freedom because... Jesus paid the price for me to be free. And I don't know about you, but I want to be as free as Jesus died to make me. And I want to ask you this morning, what does a free version of yourself look like? Without fear, without guilt, without shame, without condemnation. What does the free version of yourself look like? I can tell you it's altogether lovely and amazing. Amen? Amen. And um, then it says here, and I began to see things from a heavenly perspective because in Ephesians 2.6, it says that he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Where? In Christ Jesus, sitting in him. And you know, it's all about perspective. And you can look at every situation in your life one of two ways. You can look at it and go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Or you can look at it and go, oh, my God. Oh, my God, I don't know how you're going to fix this mess, but I cannot wait to see how you're going to do this for me. I cannot wait to see. Oh, my God, come on with your bad self, God. Go on with your bad self. Show my enemy that you're for me and not against me, God. Show my enemy that they can say all manner of evil against me, and it'll bounce off me and bounce right back on them. Come on now. Show me, God. Oh, go on with your bad self. I tell God, I, I say, go on with your bad self all the time because he's constantly amazing me. He's constantly blowing my mind, constantly just kissing on me and pouring out love on me. And you know what? He's constantly doing things for me, things that might even be just secret desires of my heart because God loves me so incredibly much. 
that he gives me these things that, I mean, I have, I'm going to be honest with you. I am a crazy dog lady. I have five miniature schnauzers, five, okay, five. God gave me my first one, and I'll tell you this. I had my max for over 15 years, and I had been telling my husband, I said, I want a, I want a, a schnauzer, and he said, you don't need a dog. I said, but I want a dog. He said, but you don't need a dog. I said, but I want a dog, and I want a schnauzer, and he said, no. And I'll never forget, I was going through a particular season in my life where God was being very quiet. And if you're a prophet, it's very difficult to be in quiet seasons. And I just was having one of those, you know, broom tree moments. Like, God, do you know I exist? Do you know this housewife from Alaska is here? Do you know that I'm even here and that I'm, I'm, you're quiet and I don't know why? What have I done? I've repented for everything I know to repent for and stuff I didn't know I did. I was repenting for it. You know, one of those kind of moments. Uh, Y'all probably didn't ever have them, but I was having one at this moment in time. And I remember going to bed that night and actually even crying myself to sleep. And the next morning, my husband gets up and he goes uh, to Liberty to see my brother-in-law. And that day, I spent all day in the chair with my Bible saying, God, please, just speak something to me. Just something to me. And that afternoon... I'm sitting there at the table balancing my checkbook because I wasn't already, you know, depressed enough. But uh, I'm sitting there at the table balancing my checkbook, and my husband walks in the back door carrying this nine-month-old schnauzer dog, white dog, white schnauzer, miniature schnauzer. And the minute he walked in the door, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, See, Susan, I know exactly where you're at. I know exactly what you're going through. And I will give you the desires of your heart. Even the desires that man has said no to, I will give them to you. And God began to, I just burst into tears, not because I got the dog, but because God finally spoke to me. Hallelujah. And God spoke to me so much through that dog that I loved him so much that I got another one. His name was Jack. And then I got another one, and her name was Molly. Then I got another one, and her name was Daisy. Then Max goes home to be with the Lord, and I don't want to hear your theology about that because I'm telling you, if Jesus can have a horse in heaven, I can have my schnauzer there. Hallelujah. Don't be coming up to me after the service is over and saying, well, I just need you. To, I don't care about that. That's This is between me and the Lord, and he knows that's what I want. Hallelujah. So anyway, Max went home to be with the Lord, and I'll never forget that January after he died in November of that year I was sitting there in my quiet time early in the morning having my cup of Jesus and because my motto is no coffee no Jesus you know so I have to have my coffee every morning and I'll tell you my coffee pot story maybe tomorrow at the church service but anyway I'm sitting there and and uh, I look at the bed that Max used to sleep in and I see my little three white schnauzers there and I said you know what Lord I said I have a hole in my heart where Max was because I grieved over the loss of that dog because he was my God dog and that's what I called him he was my God dog and I know that might have offended you and I don't care and so anyway because uh, he was he was a gift from God and I called him my God dog and I said, I have a hole in my heart. And God, I'm just asking you to fill this hole in my heart. And we'll go on throughout the rest of my day. And the next day, we took all the dogs to the groomers. And that afternoon, when my husband comes in with the dogs. I'm in the kitchen, and he says, hey. And I said, just a second, I'm getting your plate and your stuff ready. And he said, no, hey. And I said, I turned, and I looked at him, and I said, what? And he's holding a little 13-week-old schnauzer puppy in his hand. And the Lord said, here you go. And I burst into tears because we had discussed this. We're not getting any more schnauzers. We travel too much. I go too much. We're on the road too much. We cruise too much. And I walked up to him and I said, oh, my God. I thought we agreed not to get any more schnauzers. And he said, all I know is that yesterday morning I woke up and the first thing the Lord spoke to me, he said, you go get your wife another schnauzer. He said, I've been looking for one since then and I found one today. And I was like, wow. So we have moon pie. And that is because he's so nummy, nummy. Amen. And Moon Pie is actually not my dog. He's actually Charlie Mac's dog. And my husband, he likes dogs, but he's never loved a dog. But he loves him some Moon Pie, don't you, baby? You love you some Moon Pie. Well, so now I have four schnauzers again. I'm sitting there in November of last year. And I look at all my little sweet white schnauzers. And I said, you know what, Lord? I'd love to have a black miniature schnauzer. And I thought the thought, I just thought the thought in my head. And the minute I thought it, I said, oh, no, crazy thought. Oh, Lord, no, no, I don't need, no, I don't need another schnauzer. My God. And then, and then all of a sudden, I, we go to a meeting that, uh, five minutes, okay. <laughs> He's telling me five minutes. We go to a meeting, 
And I'm sitting there at the altar, and this woman comes up to me that's in the service, and she says, the Spirit of the Lord, I have a word for you. And I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, the Spirit of the Lord tells me that, that black miniature schnauzer you want, God's going to give it to you. And I was like, oh, my God. And so we go, we're going to bed that night. I'm taking the pillows off the bed, and my husband says, I don't know what that woman was talking about, but I'm going to tell you right now, no. And I laughed, and I said, well, all I can say to you is this, is the last time you told me no, I got not one but f four more schnauzers behind that one, so you better be real. He said, oh, yeah, you're right, I better not. Well, needless to say, I ended up getting little man. He's my little black miniature schnauzer. And, and I got him because my mother, who's 83 years old, lives with us now full time. And I've realized that this is her dog. She loves this dog. So I don't know why I told y'all that. But I mean, crazy. Why would I need all them schnauzers? I don't need all those schnauzers. But because God loves me and God wants to give me the desires of my heart, he gave me schnauzers. Do I need schnauzers? No. Do I need five of them? Absolutely not. But I can tell you, God loves you just that much. He loves, he delights in you. He delights in your prosperity. Amen. My, my son-in-law bought my daughter a Mercedes. And I told my husband, I said, my daughter cannot have a better car than me. This does not work for me. And so I got a Mercedes. Why? Because God loves me. Why? Because I needed one? Absolutely not. I just wanted one. And he gave me one. And it's just like, you know, these things. Because God delights in you. God delights in you. God wants to do good to you. He is a good, good father. He loves and, and, and cherishes pouring out goodness on you. If you're not living in the goodness of God, you need to reexamine where you're at in this place because in this place is nothing but good. Nothing but good comes from this place of being in Christ. Is there anything that Jesus said that the Father withheld from him? Not one thing. And you know why? He, that When he was on the cross and Jesus had his arms spread out and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know why? He forsook Jesus so he wouldn't have to forsake you. And he wouldn't have to forsake me. So there's nothing off limits. I mean, God wants to give you the, even the secret desires of your heart. Amen? Nothing. You just say, you know, take God out of the box you put him in. That he can't do this or he can't do that. Amen? Amen. I, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up, I promise. Amen. You know, and then I found out, too, in Romans 14, 17, that... The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but what is it? It's righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? In this place right here. And I've refused to live another day of my life without peace and joy. I know I have the righteousness because it's what Jesus did for me. But I refuse to live another day without peace and righteousness. I'm going to hold on just a second, sweetheart. I know I'm going to wrap it up. But i got one more thing I want to tell you. Uh, Philippians 4.19, what does it say? My God shall supply all of my needs according to what? His riches and glory. Where? In Christ Jesus, my Lord. And can I tell you right now, I've seen God do miracle after miracle after miracle. And I'm going to share three of them with you. 2016, because this is when the Lord really began to highlight about that part of being in Him, right? About my, all of my needs being supplied and met. 2016, my husband had to take early retirement due to workforce reduction at 59 and a half. As you know, 59 and a half, you don't get Social Security yet or anything like that. And so we were going into this thing, and I just went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I said, you realize that we're not going to have an income coming in, but I need to know what to do. Because you can get a word from God. There ain't nothing that's going to come against you that you can't overcome. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Susan, you've sown enough in previous seasons to live in this one. I was like, all right, Lord. So every time anything came up, I would just say, Lord, you told me that I had sown enough in previous seasons to live in this one. And so on July the 13th of 2016, at 9.13 a.m., in quiet time with the Lord, I began to talk to the Lord. I said, God, I said, we still owe on this house. <clears throat> and the Lord asked me, he said, can you believe me to pay this house off? I said, I most certainly can. He said, when I tell you to sow a seed, I want you to sow a seed, not your tithe and not your offering. Because those belong where God, that the tithe belongs to the house. The offerings belong where you can give them to the house most of the time too and other things. But he said, I want you to specifically sow a seed and I want you to name it debt free. I said, all right. He said, every time I tell you to sow it, I want you to sow it. So I did that out of obedience to the Lord because God blesses obedience. He blesses obedience. Amen. In fact, he's, in fact, I can tell you right now, the benchmark upon your life and this, this, this we're walking in right now, it's going to be radical obedience. It will be radical obedience, amen, to the things of God and what he tells you to do. And so I began to do that. 
And it was so crazy because the year that he had to take early retirement, that year we had all these cruises booked that we already paid for and that kind of thing. And I remember we were fixing to leave on a cruise earlier that week. And my husband said, man, of all the times in the world that we just probably shouldn't go on a cruise, I said, I know, but it's paid for. So I said, we're going to go on it. And so I, after we had this conversation, I walk into my bathroom and the towel in front of the shower starts doing this. And I'm thinking, that don't look good. I call him in there and he said, that doesn't look good. And I said, no, it doesn't. And we realized that water's running out from under the brick on the other side of the house, right, from this shower. So we had to have this fixed. And I just said, Lord, you told me I've sown enough in previous seasons to live in this one. So we had a contractor come out. He said, it's going to be a complete gut job of this shower and all this stuff. It's going to probably be about $1,000. He might as well have said a million at the moment in time because I didn't have $1,000, right? And so I'm sitting there and I said, all right, Lord. I said, you told me this is what you told me. Sown enough in previous seasons to live in this one. So I told the guys, I said, go ahead and do it. And we went on a cruise while he's gutting our bathroom. Hallelujah. It's the only way to do a reno, can I tell you right now. And then right before we left to go on the cruise, my washing machine broke. Hallelujah. All in the same week, right? I discover my showers broke. My shower is leaking. I have to have that repaired. My washing machine breaks down. And so what do I do? I go to the store and I say, I'm going to buy, buy me a new washing machine. Why? Because I've sown enough in previous seasons to live in this one. And so I go and I get this washing machine and I was able to, they said, we'll deliver it for free and we'll give you six months free interest. I said, I can do that, you know. And so I go and this washing machine is like $460, right? And so I'm sitting there and I said, okay, I can do this, Lord. I've sown enough in previous seasons to live in this one. We go on the cruise. I come home, got a brand new washing machine, got a brand new bathroom. And I'm sitting there in a pile of mail this high and I start going through the mail and the first thing I opened was the bill for the washing machine. I actually saw the contractor's bill sitting on top. It was $1,000. And I said, all right, Lord. Enough from previous seasons to live in this one. Next thing I opened was a letter from a lady that I don't ever hear. I haven't heard from probably in five years up into this time. And in the letter it says, Susan, the Lord put you on my heart. And I began to pray for you. And the Lord told me that he wanted me to sow this seed into your personal life. Not Love Never Fails Ministries, but into your personal life. He said, and you are not to, under any circumstances, put it in the ministry. But you are to use it to, to supply your needs. And I was like, my God. And I turned the check over. And guess how much it was for? $1,000. I said, all right, Lord, there's that bill. Hallelujah. Put that down. Next bill I opened was the $462 for the washing machine. The next thing I open is another letter. Say, Susan, the Lord put you on my heart. And the Lord wanted me to sow this into your life. And I was like, wow. And so I looked it up. Guess how much it was for? $500. So God sent me the offering, and then he sent me $50 tithe on top of that. Glory to God. Pay for my washing machine. I'm saying, washing machine, paid for. There we go. Boom. But here I am now, still all one on my house. Sowing seeds when the Lord tells me to sow. And I did that on July the 13th, 2016 at 9.13. I wrote in the back of, my, of one of my journals. I said, on this day, I decree and declare that Charlie and Susan Richardson's home is paid off in the name of Jesus. And we're to owe no man nothing but to love him. And I got a phone call on September the 28th, 2016. I was at home. I'd just been worshiping, praying the Lord. The phone rang. I answered it. And I said, hello. And they said, um, Susan, this is so-and-so. I said, yes. And they said, the Lord spoke to my wife and I and told us to pay off your home. I was like, okay. And he said, so I, what I need you to do is I want you to print up what your payoff statement is and we'll be there tomorrow to write you a check. I was like, okay. And so I got off the phone. And didn't, this is my reaction right here because I have learned that when people promise you things, unfortunately, that sometimes they don't follow through. If I had, had $10,000 for every time someone said the Lord spoke to me and told me that when my money came in, if you'd pray, I'm going to give you $10,000. You know, if I had that, I wouldn't have had no problems, right? Okay, so anyway, I go in the living room and I tell him, I said, this is what they said. And he said, okay. So the next morning, they come to my house. They have a blank check. They wrote it for $30,885.63. Went to the bank, I mean, went to the post office, put it in a FedEx box, delivered it to them. And the next day I got an email saying, congratulations, Mr. and Ms. Richardson, your mortgage has been paid in full. I'm telling you, people of God, believe God for impossible things. He doesn't want to just pay my house off. He wants to pay yours off too. How many of you in here are in debt right now? Stand up. 
I want to decree college, any kind of debt whatsoever. You have a car you're paying for, you have a house you're paying for, you have something you're paying for. I'm telling you right now, God wants you to be debt free. He wants you to owe no man nothing but to love them. Amen. And He want, and if God will ever do it for one person that you know of that He's done it, you can hold Him and take Him to the bank and say, if you ever did it for one because you are no respecter of persons, you will do it for me. And so right now, Father, I decree and declare in the name of Jesus that every one of these men and women of God that are standing, that you see how much they owe, you see what they owe. And I ask, Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, whatever debt it is, that you in your mighty power and in your great goodness would cause them to be debt-free. Father, I don't care. I don't know how you're going to lay it on someone's heart, but Father, whatever it is, I decree and declare, let there be a windfall of goodness come into your life. Let everything you own be paid for. And may you owe no man nothing but to love him. And Father, I thank you for this debt-free. Now, I'm going to ask you now, whatever the Lord tells you to sow, you sow it in obedience to him. I, Pastor Michael, did, I don't even think they've taken up an offering except last night, but I'm telling you right now, if you'll sow whatever the Lord puts on your heart right now. Father, Holy Spirit, speak to them. Tell them what seed to sow. Tell them what seed to sow. And Lord, I thank you that they're going to name that seed debt-free, and they're going to be debt-free in Jesus' name. Amen. So one more thing I want to give you real quick. Your voice has a sound, and it has an assignment, and that sound is freedom. Your voice has a sound, and it has an assignment, and that sound is freedom. Amen. Your pain can be your power. Your pain can be your power. Because it is in your pain that true sonship is revealed. True sonship is revealed. And I can tell you, one day going through a particularly difficult time in my life, I was on the floor and I was crying out to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I want my fragrance to be pleasing to you. And he said, Susan, I'm always drawn to the smell of brokenness. And I said, well, then I must smell pretty dang good to you right now because I'm about as broken as a person can be right now. And he went like that. And he breathed really deep. And he said, Susan, and he spoke these words to me. He said, Susan, from your deepest wells of pain will come your most effective ministry. Will come your most effective ministry. Don't despise your pain. Don't shut it off. But let God take it and transform it and use it as a weapon against the enemy. Amen. Because you've sown in tears, but you're going to reap in joy when you see that the people get delivered because of your ministry, because of the anointing flowing through your life. Amen. It's going to be joy unspeakable. So what does the free version of yourself look like? I don't know about you, but I want to be as free as Jesus died to make me. Amen. And that's going to be our declaration. I want to be as free as Jesus died to make me. Amen. Father, I decree and declare over these men and women of God that today they will begin to discover who they are in you, in Christ. That, Father, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Lord, I thank you that you're shifting their mindsets from a mentality of worthlessness and not loved and not forgiven. And, Father, you're showing them who they are in you. And, Father, you're bringing deliverance and freedom over their lives. I thank you, Father God. Something as simple as a hula hoop changed my life because it showed me exactly who I was and who I could be in you and through you. I bless your name, God. Young man, I want you to know, the Lord spoke to me while we were sitting down there in worship, and he said that you're going to begin to write songs. You're going to pick up that guitar, and you're going to begin to write songs in the night season, and you're going to write some of the most anointed praise and worship songs that the world itself has ever seen. The Lord said, I'm going to give you an ear to hear like you've never heard before. And Father says, if you'll get up in the night seasons, as he begins to, you'll hear the melody coming in your heart. And as you begin to hear that melody, if you'll get up and write it down, God says, I'll use those melodies because they're going to be the new sound coming from heaven. They're going to be the fresh sound coming from heaven. And they're going to change people's lives. And the anointing upon these melodies will break the yokes and destroy mindsets in people. And God says you're going to literally see men and women and uh, children healed from years of being just degraded and hurt and wounded. And God says I'm going to pour in the healing balm of Gilead through your music and through your words. And I will bring healing to the hearts of my people through the melodies that you play. Amen. Hallelujah. 
and young lady who was sitting right here, I don't know where you went, I can't see wherever you're at. The young lady that was sitting here in the red jumpsuit, I don't know where she's at, but wherever she's at, glory to God, there you are. The Lord says that you are a prophetic psalmist. You pray and you see and you speak the oracles of God. And the Lord says, I'm going to increase the anointing upon your life to orate for me. The Father says, you'll sing and prophesy. You'll declare, you'll declare and you'll decree. And the Father says, I'll literally open up heavens over you to do in you and to do through you what my desire is. Because the Father says, you have my heart. Daughter of mine, you have my heart. Hallelujah. And the attacks coming against you in this season will only prove to make you stronger in Him, will only prove to make you sharper, will only prove to set you as a, uh, as a light in a dark place. For the Father says what the enemy meant to take you out with. God says, I will use and anoint you to overcome. God says, I will use it. I will use you for greater purpose and glory than you can even begin to imagine, young man. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, enlarge the place of your territory. Pull up your tent stakes, God says. He's about to enlarge you on the left and the right, the north and the south, the east and the west. For the Father says, they will come. They will come. Because you've tapped into my heart, says the Spirit of the Lord. You've tapped into my heart. You have tapped into my heart. You understand how profound that is because there are a lot of preachers that never tap into the heart of the Father. They never allow themselves to go into that intimate place. They never allow the Father to come in and have His full way because they're all about control. But the Father said, you have tapped into my heart, my son. And the Father says, I'm going to delight in blowing your mind at my goodness. I'm going to blow your mind at my goodness. Mm. I can't wait to see what God's going to do with you. Honey, come up here just a second. If you're married, I want you to stand. If you want to be married, you can stand. Hallelujah. Brave people. Yes, Father, in Jesus' name. My husband and I come together in agreement this morning. And we declare, declare and decree over you and over your marriage that it will be a marriage of heaven on earth. That it will be a marriage where your affections are rekindled and you'll remember what, you, what it is that you fell in love with this woman or this man for. Father, I thank you that you'll breathe life into these marriages. Father, you will resuscitate them and you will cause them to be better than they have ever been. Father, I thank you that they're going to have sex and more sex and more sex than they can even begin to imagine. And it will be good because God says, I created it to be good. And Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you will bless their marriages because I can bless them by none greater. I bless them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ the God that we serve. Amen. 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 Thank y'all so much. God bless y'all. Thank you, Jesus.